so book 1 canto 1 the book of beginnings the symbol dawn so shorbindo in the story itself reveals here in the very first canto that in this uh, whatever experience is describing the coming of the dawn the whole story of mankind in a nutshell he has given there and what is the story of mankind it's a constant growth out of darkness towards light the assurance of the eventual victory of the light over darkness which is something we all need the triumph of truth and above all the plunge of love into the abyss to rescue it out of the darkness out of the chaos out of the disintegrating ferment in which it had gone so this is what is described in a very beautiful way through a symbol which every day we experience and see but we do not take note of no darkness is there but darkness goes away and light comes some people will say that but light also goes away and darkness comes isn't it so go back to the origin if you go back to the origin of creation we will know that there was a all pervading darkness with all fulfilling oneness inside but when it burst forth that is the that is a different kind of darkness when it burst forth the first thing which emerges is light so you know that nebula which is full of energy and that sun this is the eternal reality then the play of day and night starts see if we look at the how the solar system is formed now we experience day and night so which came first day or night day came light came it's a physical reality it is out of sun that all the planets were thrown out successively the sun gave birth to all the planets out of the sun they all emerged and started rotating around it this is a physics physical fact we are satellites of the sun but once we were thrown far and far and far we started experiencing night and night and night we there were no individuals we as a we i mean the whatever creation creation started experiencing and we as being part of because we have always existed in some form or the other we are children of sun so we have i mean literally literally that's why the sun is so much life giving rejuvenating so in ancient times you will see that people used to worship sun and <coughs> so was it the physical sun they were worshiping some people ask once that is it supramental or is it physical so the thing is that our ancients didn't draw that kind of strict definition as we today with modern mind do it it is either this or that so they looked at things through another eye a more complete eye with wholeness so when we look at wholeness everything upon earth in creation is a symbol look at the galaxy we must be must have seen the images of the galaxy look at the galaxy it's moving whirling like the sudarshan chakra actually it is like that milky way it's strange way it's like a spiral and it's so beautiful to look at it from a uh, wider view so <laughs> so it is the sun which is at once physical 
it is at once an occult truth it is at once the highest spiritual reality of the supramental truth at once all these three together so just as when we worship nar in some way or the other we are trying to connect to the narayana so when we worship the physical sun the ancients knew that we can through the sun symbol of sun we can reach out to the greater truth behind so why they needed to worship through these veils because we are not ready for the real thing see why do we uh, we go to temple and worship all the images idols some people say that you know there is no need to worship but can we behold that reality which is so powerful so we start with a symbol and we proceed to the greater truth behind when man will embody that greater truth then there will be no more need to approach through the physical so all these truths your window packs through the image so the image is revealing to us something it is writing a story telling us a story that's how he puts it that almost that day the epiphany was disclosed so it is telling us a story every day morning and sun comes and tells us a story but we don't know the story we forget because we are too busy with our routine task all that he will describe so we get up we don't care to listen to the first teacher who is coming and telling us something so we'll now read this story savitri is the story of the divine mother savitri is the story of creation and the savitri is our story all these at the same time so we'll start with the symbol dawn so in the beginning is clarified it's a dawn he is describing the day morning dawn but it is a symbol so what is this symbol of that we will see as we proceed like all great things the journey starts from a darkness see that is the difference <laughs> when one has to struggle through darkness the plant it has to struggle through darkness why because so that when it comes to the surface it is ready for the light so that is how the journey starts it was the hour before the gods awake now this one line mother has explained in a very beautiful way the whole story of creation is there in this one line so what is the hour before the gods awake we have this uh, physically is describing the bela which is known as brahma muhurt so brahma muhurt mein even the gods are sleeping all the gods of uh, different you know when we wake up different gods become active in all the parts of creation so even the gods are not awake mother speaks of before the creation before this creation there have been other creations which have plunged in pralaya into darkness just like individuals die and are reborn nations die and are reborn civilizations die and are reborn so also whole creation is plunged into darkness and is re reborn 
so before it is reborn there is a state of nothingness dissolution utter dissolution but something just as after death some everything does not die something remains so similarly <laughs> something remains and that something has to now through the help of memory recover itself so that's the time and she describes in a beautiful story that uh, when the will for creation came up so out of the one divine four beings emerged light life consciousness bliss so they truth so they plunged into darkness they plunged into creation but each being began to think very soon that i am separate i am all powerful i am the greatest power so the moment it felt like that there is no thought then it entered deep inside finally cut off from the one and entered into a state of utter self oblivion because all the power all the strength everything comes from the one and the moment we forget that even the greatest god he cannot do anything that's the story of the kain upanishad also so it <laughs> plunges and slowly changes into its very opposite see this is a very interesting story so it changes into its opposite so truth becomes falsehood consciousness becomes unconsciousness life becomes death and bliss becomes suffering now the interesting part is the difference between the divine and the indivine is only a question of forgetting the one <laughs> that is the origin <laughs> if you forget the one that's what it is said it division datya diti aditya undivided consciousness so if you remember the one you are safe zone if you don't remember the one division starts and you plunge into darkness so it goes into darkness and then there is an sos help and in response to the sos a second line of beings come out emerge of the divine who are the gods so these beings are given this mission impossible rescue so they say that look you are asking us to rescue <laughs> these creatures we know what has happened so give us that power most intense light of yours which is in your heart then we will go so that mother out of her heart score the most beautiful brilliant the purest the the purest of the purest because everything is wonderful and beautiful she gives that light and behind the light all the gods follow so what is that light that from the mother's heart it is that which will become the psychic essence in creation and eventually the psychic being okay and all the gods are the different powers who will assist creation now to pull it out of the state of oblivion so this is the story
So she, along with the psychic, all these beings have to come out. Now you see again in this story something very interesting. It is the very mission of the psychic to rescue creation out of darkness. So once we know it, we won't want to escape. Because this is our original will. It has come for that. And gods are our assistants. And always with every soul, you will see these two things sticking along. One is all the goodness, beauty, light. On the other hand, all that is dark, divisive forces, because it's rescuing it. It has come for that. And as it grows, the darkness will diminish and the light will increase. So this is the story. So the first line is describing that moment before the second line, the gods have come. So it was the hour before the gods awake. Across the path of the divine event. Again, very interesting line. Divine event. Right at the beginning, Shurabindu is making it clear that creation is a divine event. It is not an accident. It is not chance. It is not chaos. It is not maya. It is a divine event. But now in the unfolding of the divine event, there is something which stands between the divine event which is going to be or is going to unfold. Something has come to prevent that event from happening. Across the path of the divine event, the huge foreboding mind of night, alone in her unlit temple of eternity. See, every line is so evocative. Unlit temple of eternity. We look for temples here and there. The original temple of the Lord is this universe. Star-studded temple. Yeah. That hour. At the same time, you will see the image follow closely the physical sun, physical journey. That's why it's a symbol. So you see, this is the style of Vedic imagery. Vedic poets describe like that. So the deeper meaning was left for the initiates. And for the uninitiate, they, they, they were two kinds of, you know, Vedvadins and the Veda knowers. So it's, people have a lot of conflicting views about it. They say, oh, Sri Krishna also condemned the Vedas. He didn't condemn the Vedas. He would not. He condemned the Vedvadins. So you will see there are Vedvadins who know the outer thing. So you will see there are people who have learnt how to recite, they will recite, everything they will do. But they don't understand the deeper meaning of the Vedas. So in India, we had this parallel tradition. There were those who preserved the tradition. Sure, otherwise feel comfortable, just stretch out. So, you know, there were those who were just preserving the tradition by oral tradition. So oral tradition were all about images, rishis asking for cow, horses, very good. But those who knew the meaning, they knew that the cows and horses are not the physical cows and horses. They are also needed. They are part of our wealth of those times. But it's about light and strength. So he's describing at once, 
the dawn of creation and he is also describing everyday morning because he is to connect with the event what is the event which is going to take place satyavan's death he'll disclose at the end now the interesting part is satyavan's death is also a divine event but that will come to later right now it's about creation there is a divine act which is going to take place and you know like all great uh, authors something is going to happen and what is that that's a divine event what is the divine event if you look at it outwardly satyavan is going to die <laughs> how can death be a divine event but you say that through passing through death there will be the victory so all that will unfold in her unlit temple of eternity lay stressed immobile upon silence marge almost one felt opaque impenetrable in this somber symbol of her eyeless muse the abyss of the unbodied infinite now see every line is so evocative this very power packed passage it's describing now the inconscient state in which creation has plunged in the <laughs> somber symbol of her eyeless muse this is a muse who is going to create <laughs> the divine sleeping in the inconscient creation is to emerge from there but he is neither able to see nor able to think conceive nothing is there and yet creation will emerge out of that this mother is described in one of her experiences and she has used the word the first avatar the divine sleeping in the inconscient out of whom creation is emerging and there is a reason why he has gone <laughs> gone into sleep a fathomless zero occupied the world a power of fallen boundless self awake between the first and the last nothingness so that's what we are describing the first nothingness before creation came but that nothingness is pregnant with the all conscient it has no form nothing you can't describe define it with anything that first nothingness uh, you know when somebody asks you bindo the shunyam of the buddhist and the one of the advaitin is it the same he said yes then he said but why does yagnavalk speak of nothingness as the highest state he says what he means is that there is no way you can describe it or recognize it in any known terms of the mind it's like you know it's very difficult to describe even something which you know is awe you are awestruck with something and suddenly somebody asks you describe that scene you fumble for words so at the most you will say oh i'm just overwhelmed so that first nothingness is that state where none of the nothing corresponds to the human consciousness there neti neti iti iti there is nothing which corresponds so it is nothingness and then it it has plunged into inconscient that is the other nothingness and life moves between these two so that is the 
whole journey. Recalling the tenebrous womb from which it came, turned from the insoluble mystery of birth and the tardy process of mortality and long to reach its end in vacant knot. So, tenebrous womb out of inconscient creation is emerging. But it has a tendency like again gravitation to go back, tardy process. Oof, once again, you have to be born. See, there are people, that's why great yogis like Shankaracharya wrote, Punarapi Janmam, Punarapi Marnam, Punarapi Janani Jethare Shainam. You know, again, this process, anybody with little sense would feel, I have to come back again, though it is very sobering. Because you obviously get rid of all these attachments, you know, because you realize there is nothing which is so permanent. But we who believe in rebirth, just imagine that we have to come again. One way to look at it is we are given another chance, which can make us lazy or which can make us also that let me gather as much as I can in one life. But on the other hand, this whole idea that how many times to come again and again. So tardy process, because it's a slow process. And long to reach its end in vacant not, so it wants to go back. You know, now imagine when we wake up. What is the first state? Supposing we wake up very early. Actually, morning starts post-midnight, if you see technically. <laughs> technically, it is like that, no? But at 12.30, if you get up, you'll say, Oh, it's let me sleep off again. Because you are still emerging from the drowse. See how many levels the symbol will apply. Similarly, when we turn to yoga, the first tendency is, I mean, except uh, exceptional beings who are suddenly lit by the fire, the first tendency is we continue our normal life, all, everything, the way we are. Uh, after a while, we, can, we cannot much dwell upon the name of God. We have a tendency to forget, go back, because we are more comfortable with this. That's our natural state. So there is a tendency in it to slip back. And he is describing uh, a very beautiful passage here. As in a dark beginning of all things. So when there is darkness, we should know that it is the beginning of a new creation. Wherever you see a great destruction, that means there is an equally powerful new creation which is going to come up. Because in God's wisdom, that is how it operates. A mute, featureless semblance of the unknown, repeating forever the unconscious act, prolonging forever the unseeing will. See now here again we have the symbol applied at many levels. So after some time when we wake up, what is our first state? Very mechanical. We go to the bathroom, we do things very mechanically. Creation also repeats mechanical act. By memory of the past, everything will start moving. When we have even turned to the divine in the beginning, it's all mechanical. We do certain things very ritualistically. There is no deep meaning inside it. But doesn't matter. And this is an answer to people who say, Oh, they, they are just doing mechanical worship. I said, what does it matter? That's how people begin. 
who are we to judge sometimes you know people would uh, i've heard things like you know oh these people they just go to the ashram to bow their head at the samadhi okay it's okay first of all we don't know what's going on inside but even if one is doing that it is a beginning who knows what is happening inside as in a dark beginning of all things repeating forever the unconscious act so mechanically human beings start like that and because indian thought recognized it that is why you see it permitted all shades and steps of the spiritual endeavor right from worshiping a tree and a stone and the sun and the moon to the highest form of internalized worship of the divine from divine as animal and you know material object to divine as the supreme is there in indian thought and there's something very beautiful because depending on your tantra actually speaks of it these three levels through which we worship so this is the first step of creation cradle the cosmic drowse of ignorant force whose moved creative slumber kindles the suns and carries our lives in its somnambulist world so this is a very interesting line cosmic drowse of ignorant force so if you ask a material scientist he will say it's all the working of nature you don't have to bring in high philosophy behind it nature is god and nature <coughs> how does it work nature is ignorant it is jad but the big question is if nature is ignorant it is mechanical and jad how such a beautiful meaningful consciousnessful universe is emerging out of it the only way you can understand it is that nature is a front behind it there is the all consciousness that is the only way you can really understand it otherwise this gap remains so there is the <laughs> ignorant force which takes a form goes into the front but because there is hidden in it all the power of the divine shakti therefore it kindles the suns so it's very beautiful that behind nature there is the divine shakti so you see we use the word we it's very interesting shubindra is using the word our lives at the very beginning of creation so we are connected you know right from the atoms <laughs> so at thought the vain enormous trance of space its formless stupor without mind or life a shadow spinning through a soulless void thrown back once more into unthinking dreams earth veiled abandoned in the hollow gulfs forgetful of her spirit and her fate now you see slowly the scene is emerging zooming it now it's zooming on to earth it is still veiling taking the parikrama around the sun they, they see that is why perhaps the idea of parikrama came in so people often say parikrama karne se kuch nahi hota hai <laughs> so i have this i mean this not to encourage a mechanical parikrama but the fact is 
अर्थ परिक्रमा करते करते इट हैज ब्रॉड इन सो मच इवोल्यूशनरी पॉसिबिलिटीज बिकॉज बिफोर यू रीच द सन यू मूव अराउंड एंड प्रिपेयर योर सेल्फ दैट इज द पर्पज सो इट इज डूइंग परिक्रमा ऑफ द सन बट डूइंग इट मैकेनिकली द सोल इन इट हैज नॉट येट अवेकिन the impassive skies were neutral empty still and now the scene changes then something in the inscrutable darkness stirred so you will see that there are different stages through which from the night we emerge towards the light it is not a sudden process so we should not be we have to evolve through many shades of ignorance and greenness it doesn't happen you know so people get very disillusioned if they say oh i was it was doing so well such nice experiences i was having again no it it is bound to be like that so uh, mother says many illusions are necessary in life they prepare you for the true thing because if you have not gone through that we are not ready for the real so it is slowly slowly beginning to emerge then something in the inscrutable darkness stirred a nameless movement an unthought idea insistent dissatisfied without a name something that wished but knew not how to be teased the inconscient to wake ignorance now you see it is very interesting these lines so many levels it works i like to connect with shobindo's writing psychologically because they bring it very close to me as my life otherwise it becomes philosophy <laughs> that is the difference psychologically is, is practical application of philosophy like vedanta and yoga so now psychologically i connect with this passage in a very interesting way and you will see this today many youth are feeling restless dissatisfied they don't have an idea what they are seeking but they feel stifled and human beings also go through that phase no when you feel stifled you don't know you want something you don't know what you want uh, that is the time one can uh, just uh, you know move here and there have some experiment in life not really realizing what one is looking for so this stirring like a baby in the womb is kicking now it's not that it's consciously kicking and saying hello to mama the mama is very happy that there is a baby inside but it just kicking why is it kicking it wants to come out of the womb so this stifled feeling there's something like a restless movement something which doesn't know the aim is the is a good sign it is a better sign than the over satisfied old people of yesterday who were too wise to seek wisdom too happy with their ignorance which they thought is wisdom there no seeking we know everything you tell any you know we uh, it's a grace to turn towards shirvinder and the mother many people ask mass movement i say it's not a mass movement please because everybody believes that i am very wise i know everything <laughs> so it is too satisfied but the moment you feel no i want to explore further why not who binds us there should be no limit to exploring so the moment that starts <laughs> that means the first stir 
of dawn it is not yet an aspiration but there is a some kind of a vague longing yearning i don't know i am not too happy with life maybe i am seeking something okay so that is the state of creation a throw that came and left a quivering trace gave room for an old tired want unfilled at peace in its subconscious moonless cave to raise its head and look for absent light so this effort is not new it was there tired it slept off now it is being woken up so even after we have uh, so it also answers that question no? people say oh, what if in this life i don't achieve doesn't matter this aspiration will not die it will be woken up again the sun will make sure it will tease dig into inconscience and wake up so slowly out of the slumber an old tired want unfilled till it is fulfilled there is no way that one can rest there is a beautiful line in <laughs> savitri so when somebody asked so are you resting <laughs> so i said savitri there is a line there is no rest for the embodied soul <laughs> till it has found itself it cannot rest <laughs> physically we can rest how can there be rest for the soul it is constantly striving so it is being woken up so just imagine now look at this at a another vast scale imagine the divine is waking up cre- creation wake up wake up all the souls wake up my children wake up so they, this can be a beautiful image that every day we are being woken up and the whole creation is woken up at p straining closed eyes of vanished memory like one who searches for a bygone self and only meets the corpse of his desire it was as though even in this knots profound even in this ultimate dissolution's core there lurked an unremembering entity survivor of a slain and buried past condemned condemned to resume the effort and the pang reviving in another frustrate world so there is uh, you know it's straining something is waking up like children they don't know mama let me sleep who is waking me up all this sense is there because in that state of we call it peace but that's not peace it is a state of inertia so it doesn't want to wake up so it is trying to strain who is calling me but doesn't realize it's a bygone self it's a past like you know sometimes people feel they come to the ashram so a lot of people describe it like that it was like you know we came home homecoming it's a common experience a lot of people now you ask them why is it like they give you very comfortable house like yours no 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 not that is the food super no nothing of that kind but you feel at home see it's very interesting why is this feeling like home it's not it's not that people will be very nice or uh, other things are there nothing 
but the feeling that you are reconnecting with something or someone whom you are now trying to know but actually at some level you already know see like the divine mother you ask do you know her well at one level yes of course we know what else is there to know at another level do you know her who can know her <laughs> so both are equally right so you know one is uh, reviving from there an unshaped consciousness desired light so then out of that vagueness there is the seeking for light now it is becoming more conscious still the aspiration is not born it is still a vague seeking so these are the stages actually you see human beings go through this vague restlessness to lot of youth today restless is because the new creation through this they will open up then after that will come a seeking for light so after all this restlessness restlessness they'll say oh let there be something beautiful something peaceful so that is the next seeking seeking is still a still something vague and a blank prescience yearn towards distant change however far it may be in the coming still it begins to seek it let there be light let there be beauty let there be bliss let there be harmony all the outer experiences of life contradict it such is the gap between the yearning and the change distant change yet it continues to yearn and it will continue to do that as if a childlike finger laid on a cheek reminded of the endless need in things the heedless mother of the universe an infant longing clutched the somber vast now you see this is a very powerful image how people say shobindra is difficult he is using such images in savitri a everyday image a child this longing is now like a child and heedless mother is material nature it says <laughs> it's okay <laughs> it is lying heedless mother so it is touching its cheek and saying wake up mama i need milk <laughs> mama wake up <laughs> so material nature she will wake up now because that's where the aspiration has to be lit <laughs> as if as if a child like finger laid on a cheek reminded of the endless need in things the heedless mother of the universe an infant longing clutched the somber vast so suddenly it brings a longing in the heart you know it's very interesting that when children are born spontaneously the body of a mother milk begins to outpour because it's it's it needs that so a longing begins to wake up stir the somber vast insensibly and the moment it happens then the third movement starts insensibly somewhere a breach began a long lone line of hesitating you like a vague smile tempting a desert heart 
troubled the far rim of life's obscured sleep. So there is a longing in material nature. See, you can put it like a beautiful story. That's how Puranic stories are there, no? Ki Prithvi ke andar pukar uthi, Prithvi gai Bhagawan ke paas. So Prithvi is material nature, at least it has become material nature. And then slowly she is somewhere, there is a longing waking up and suddenly a long lone line of hesitating you. Now what is this image? Again, transition from darkness to light. So now you see there is a phase when actually you get a feeling. The morning has started. But still that first glow is yet to come but it's almost there. You get a feeling it's almost there. And look at Shurvindo just as a great artist when he paints an image. He takes into cognizance all the shades. What minute perfection Shurbindo is taking into shade, uh, taking into account all the shades of human nature, of nature and how things emerge. I mean everything. And there is a reason because that is a perfect description of how things happen. So as a result of it, a breach begins. But still, life is in a state of obscure rim. <laughs> it is feeling troubled. Then arrived from the other side of boundlessness. An eye of deity peered through the dumb deeps. A scout in a reconnaissance from the sun. Then light pierces through and touches. It is still not the full glow, but scout from the Rikanaisa, you see. <coughs> so Rikanaisa is uh, <coughs> some, some, someone who goes first to uh, yeah, find out what's happening. <coughs> so Rikanaisa from the sun. Eye of Deity. The sun god. It seemed amid a heavy cosmic rest, the torpor of a sick and weary world, to seek for a spirit, soul and desolate, to fallen to recollect forgotten bliss. So it is come to remind, to push. You are not a fallen being. Who are we? Amrita Siputra, Ananda Siputra. From that moment, this is the cry. But to reclaim that state, we have to go through all the night which will come now in different layers, different ways. It will come to block the way. Intervening in a mindless universe its message crept through the reluctant hush. So all the images are... <laughs> when the divine touch comes initially, while the first is very beautiful, because it's the touch and you know you wake up, but then resistance has come up. It's felt like a trouble, doubts. It is felt like a, a reluctant hush. So all these states through which a yogi's journey goes through because uh, it has to struggle through. It's not like 
it's so easy now i have the touch and i am going to progress like this many such states will come through which one has to navigate through but it's bound to happen because the waking up has started from there that is the great assurance calling the adventure of consciousness and joy ananda siputra wake up what wake up for what what job are you giving me come for the great adventure of consciousness and joy so you see when krishna comes and calls who responds some gop and gopis <laughs> at one place shurbindu speaks uh, in one of the aphorism i have not come here to create mutts and sanyasis but to call the souls of the strong to the leela of krishna and kali this is the reason for which creation is there where did we become so weak chicken hearted oh creation is so bad let's go go away mukti moksha you see this pessimistic attitude which entered spirituality i think it's a very dark passage that's even spirituality got corrupted by this virus and became so depressing hey you are taught you know duniya to aisi hai are banane wale ne aisi bana di नहीं नहीं वो कोई माया थी बनाने वाले के अधीन नहीं थी <laughs> नहीं वो अलग है सो दैट इज हाउ द्वैतवाद के मिज इन डेट स्ट्रेंज पैराडॉक्स ये क्या बना दिया है <laughs> अच्छा जो भी है यू कम आउट ऑफ इट दिस क्वेश्चन विच रिमेन्ड अनएंसर्ड विच गेव टू स्पिरिचुअलिटी ए वेरी पेसिमिस्टिक फ्लेवर now shubindo is calling this whole thing see how he is starting he is starting that bliss you have fallen into coma wake up know your nature like hanuman being woken up that you say you can't cross the ocean when you were a child you could reach out to the sun and you say you can't cross the ocean you know that famous uh, uh, when jamwant narrates ha uh, it's a very beautiful passage so similarly his starting point is there wake up wake up to what yoga no adventure of consciousness and joy it's a new way of looking at yoga what is yoga it's a great adventure mother has used the word the supreme adventure and she says that that adventure spirit is necessary <laughs> it's not like yoga as a safe journey from here to here everything should be told to me it's not there is unexpected calling the adventure of consciousness and joy and conquering nature's disillusioned breast compelled renewed consent to see and feel disillusion because previous attempts it couldn't work out so there are some people who are born with you know that kind of pessimistic tendencies because past efforts but look toward the future uh. a thought was sown in the unsounded void a sense was born within the darkness depths a memory quivered in the heart of time see life is blossoming slowly up in material nature all this has process has started thought and life and sense <clears throat> as if a soul long dead were moved to live so the qualifier here is as if because soul never dies so as if the 
something very fundamental had given up and had gone to as if it had died was again moved to live but the oblivion that succeeds the fall had blotted the crowded tablets of the past and all that was destroyed must be rebuilt and old experience labored out once more so all this is not new this is not the first time that uh, this is not the first creation there have been several successive creations why they were necessary they plunged every time there was a fundamental gain before the final leap so it has been said that there are six creations it is there said in our scriptures also that this is the seventh one the mother also says this is the seventh one she adds that it is the final one for the next step after which there will be several creations but they will be in light and knowledge and science also says that there have been at least five possibly six ice ages nobody knows what happened before that so it all corresponds well that uh, and why it dissolves and comes up so the image that i have in mind which had come to me <laughs> is like you know those who cut uh, up do that hammer throw no so you must have seen what do they do they swing it around uh, if you capture this in a slow motion so when the thing is here you will say ki ah it is far and it goes behind oh it has gone back then it is going in the same cycle as if meaninglessly if you don't know what's going to happen but in this pursuit it is gaining momentum that's why shubindu say many approximations are justified because you gain momentum you gain speed you gain strength for the final launch it's not possible like you will uh, you you can't leap to the sun like that so there are many yes yes and we have to prepare ourselves for that so through all these so it is being revived again and then he comes with this master line that don't worry there is the param aswasan aham twa sarva papebhyo moksha shami masucha here comes such a great assurance promise of the lord all can be done if the god touches there you don't have to worry it's my job he is saying it's my job creation is my job so what's my job lord you trust me <laughs> have faith open to me nobody is asking you to change the world this is a meaningless activity you are engaged in world will change i will change it so you know what happens when people read about this is a yoga world transformation so they start thinking now i must become an activist and start changing everything this not what shirbinda has said <laughs> he has given us a sense and meaning and purpose and that the divine is changing it in that direction you also open and become part of that change and the more you change the more the world will change in that direction this is the logic unlike mayavad where it says there is it's an incorrigible error but it's no way of the yogin that oh now i must plunge into this activity bism that activism because now the world is changing and world must change shobindo has said that so here he is saying that it will change why it will change because god touches there 
the Paramaswashan. All will change. Why? Because God touches there. We should feel everything. We should not become insensitive, indifference. But we must know that the world is ultimately in safe hands. Mother gave said that, you know, that you must know that the divine has taken charge of this world. When somebody was very worried and asked about India's condition. <laughs> because at one place he said, <laughs> India must be saved from the Indians. <laughs> so true. Now it looks like she has told this yesterday, isn't it? <laughs> so, so true. So then the person got very worried. Who will do it? So he wrote back, Mother, you had said that India must be saved from the Indians. How to do it? He said, <laughs> you must know that the Supreme is looking into it. <laughs> you don't have to do it. I have told you that it will be saved. It has to be saved. How it will be saved? Instruments will be created. All that is my business. Don't think that now it is a task given to you. I didn't add a line that India must be saved from Indians and you must be must do it. I am appointing you as the in-charge. No, it's my job. But this is the problem and it will be done. So don't worry. So it's a grand relief. <laughs> so what comes first? See from the dissolution, a hope stole in that hardly dared to be. See this... Uh, Creation, when it begins to rise, then one of the first things that wakes up uh, on a positive note is hope. So in Savitri, you will see that when she entered the territory of death, she enters into darkness. This whole experience will be relived in great detail. So she goes into utter inconscient. Then there comes a time when everything seems to be blotted out. Even Savitri loses contact with Satyavan, even as if she doesn't know. And then suddenly, out of her being, a light emerges. And that light tortures death. It feels that now my end has come. And that light is hope. So, hope. It comes much later. So, that's why I said this, this is a summary. So, this whole passage which you have seen slowly... Uh, you know, darkness being teased, feeling it like a torture, all this will come when Savitri will enter into the realm of death and slowly try to win back Satyavan from there. The whole story is repeated. So this is the uh, first thing which emerges is hope. That's why it is said, of course, best is if you have aspiration. If not aspiration and will, then faith. If not faith, hope. If hope is gone, then that's when everything is lost. So as long as hope is there, nothing is lost. You can rebuild the whole world with that. So, few more lines we can read and then stop. Amid the night's Forlorn indifference. A hope stole in that hardly dared to be amid the night's forlorn indifference. As if solicited in an alien world with timid 
and hazardous instinctive grace <clears throat> orphaned and driven out to seek a home an errant marvel with no place to live into a far off nook of heaven there came a slow miraculous rapture's dim appeal the persistent thrill of a transfiguring touch persuaded the inert black quietude and beauty and wonder disturbed the fields of god so this passage we will read again so we'll stop here but this passage we'll read again because now it's now actual transition taking place so you see what is being described here is outwardly it is passage from darkness to night and an outward looking person will say oh yeah yeah he has described a very vivid image <laughs> poetry <laughs> great poetry because what an image but it is the description of creation it is also the description of our soul which has plunged into darkness and is emerging out and you can apply it in every delight because don't we go through many cycles when life seems hopeless when you know we feel that there is nothing worth living or when there is just an intense restlessness not knowing where to go how to go so these are phases so we all go through just like it is said that behind each cycle of satyug treta dwapar and kalyug you have many cycles so similarly at in our individual life we have beautiful moments when we are on ascension and moments when we are as if down and then we start again and of course every day and night it is the same process okay. call call them okay so 